Iowa authorities are investigating after a woman came forward claiming that her father has killed and buried between 50 and 70 women on their property in Thurman, Iowa. Donald Dean Studi died in 2013. If the claims are proven to be true, he could be one of the most prolific serial killers in the United States history. Hey, everybody, and welcome to True Crime, the True Crime Squad with Katie Weaver. I'm here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. Can you believe I almost called us by our old name? You almost did. I mean, it's been a few months now, but Mm -hmm. I get it's hard. Every once in a while, it wants to pop out for me, too. You know, I was deep in thought about the case that we're presenting today and also some clips that I saw a little while ago from the... uh, belligerent turd circus going on in uh rakasha wisconsin right now uh and i yep i just went on autopilot there for a minute but i i think i'm back yeah (laughs) yeah, Darrell is really at it again in the courtroom isn't he holy moly (laughs) i i don't know what that judge is going to have to do to debrief from this i don't know if a six-month vacation to the bahamas would do it i just don't know it might be early retirement. It might be what would do it. What would send me into early retirement? My God. Right. She needs like some serious uh, accolades and yeah, pizza parties or whatever they do. But right. <laughs> she's going to need them because holy shit. But we'll talk about that more tonight on case updates. Yes, we will. Last week, uh, I compiled some of uh, uh, Darrell Brooks's greatest hits from last week. We'll have a few more for this week uh, in case you're. Blood pressure has not been able to handle watching this, which may be true. I I can barely watch it at all. It is so anxiety-inducing to me to watch him and watch her try to wrangle him that I'm like, I just can't do it, man. The box court of evidence today just put me over the top. Yes, that was pretty hilarious. Um, And the weird mother-son dynamic that has emerged between the two of them is really something. very odd. And he just makes me so anxious. I mm-hmm. just, oof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something. So we'll get there. That's not even we what will. this episode's about. It's just where my head's at because I've right. never seen anything like it. Sort of unforgettable. Totally. However, this is our Wednesday episode. Yes. And we have so much happening today. So this episode uh, rolling out now. Then tonight we'll be back at 7 p.m. for case updates. And directly after that, we are having the makeup cold read party to make up for the cold read that completely failed on us in September. So if you're a cold read party attendee, make plans, come. That'll be around 8, 8, 15 mountain time. We'll let you know. Mm -hmm. And we're doing things a little differently. We're now presenting a case to you, dear listener, and then Mm -hmm. also allowing you to present some cases to us. So a little different than we've done it in the past, but we really like the new format. We think you will too. So it's a lot of fun be sure to come. But in the meantime, we've got all kinds of stuff to do. But I didn't even ask you, how are you? Uh, doing pretty well. I was really puzzled about, I wanted to do something sort of Halloween themed, 
uh, for my uh, segments for tonight's show. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, I don't want them to be murders. And and I was looking for like kind of funny, cool stuff. And I believe I have found it. So I'm excited about that. You've cracked the code. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is going to be quite the episode. I'll just say I that right out of the gate. <laughs> All righty. Well, then I'm going to kick the mic over to you to kick us off some weird crime time. Absolutely. You know, around Halloween, lots of people dress as superheroes. And some of us really wish that those superheroes were real. And yet, did you know that across the globe, there are actually people who dress as superheroes and patrol the streets of their cities trying to do good and stop crime. I did, but maybe yeah. a lot of you did not. So I don't know. I'm going to interesting I'm justice tell you about a few of my favorites. Okay. Let's start with Angle Grinder Man. And yes, that is a very large gold angle grinder that <laughs> Angle Grinder name. Man is wielding there. So Angle Grinder Man is uh, known to uh, come out at night in uh, the UK wearing a light blue leotard, a gold mask, and gold boots, and he carries his very large gold angle grinder saw. So what do you think? He also, oh yes, he, he's generally found in Kent and London on weekends. So Angle Grinder Man, whose identity is yet to be determined, fortunately, because he is, in fact, breaking the law doing what he's doing. But what he's doing is he is going around and freeing people's cars that are stranded by wheel clamps or what we they're around here. They're called boot. They're called a boot. Yeah. So they're put on your car if you've had too many parking tickets or you're parked in an illegal spot. And then you cannot move your car till you pay the fee to have your car freed. But sometimes in Kent and in London, Angle Grinder Man shows up to free your car. Wow. <laughs> what I want to know is, Angle Grinder Man, when are you going to come here? Right. Rexburg has a really big problem with the uh, with the booting. Because I live in a university town that uh, the population of the students literally doubles our town. Yeah. The parking wars are ridiculous and terrible. And there has been a real pattern of booting cars, uh, whether they really deserve it or not. Uh, the jury seems to be out a lot of times about whether a car was supposed to be booted. Mm-hmm. Um, the state of Idaho actually found booting to be illegal and told Rexburg they had to stop doing it. And Rexburg said, nah, we're going to keep it. Yeah. So they still boot here, even though the whole rest of the state says, nope, that's that does property damage. You can't do that. Well, but they do it anyway. Man wouldn't even be illegal in Rexburg then. Right. These are illegal bootings. He'd, he'd be a state operative. I guess. Where is Angle? <laughs> I, I know a guy who could become Angle Grinder Man in Rexburg mm. real easy. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> it's true. You just got to get the right spray paint to spray to that paint uh, angle, angle Grinder. Grinder. Right. Yeah. Also, somehow have a way to plug it in when you're walking around town. Mm, I don't well, know. That's true. Maybe his 
is uh, motorized. I don't know. Rechargeable. Like gas something. powered or something. Yeah, well, maybe so. Gas powered. That would make sense. Okay, then, Ingle Grinder Man. Uh, <laughs> rock on, I guess. <laughs> well, let's talk also about Captain Australia. <laughs> Captain Australia is a uh, father of two. He's in his 30s. He's good with animals, has a green thumb, and has been on a mission since 2009 to prevent crime in his city of Brisbane, Australia. Now, um, his costume is based on Kick-Ass. That's a comic book and a movie. And then he added the at symbol on his chest. I don't know who Kick-Ass is, but some of you may not. Or, I mean, I don't, but some of you may uh, he he carries with him on patrol his flashlight, a cell phone, and a video camera. <laughs> and, and that cell phone looks like a that looks like a you know early two thousands Nokia. Yes, it kind of does. And I have to say, I don't know how old this picture is of Captain Australia, but Captain Australia is a self professed master of judo, jujitsu, kung fu, and karate. He's also an amateur boxing champ. And he's skilled in parkour and a master escapeologist. He's also knowledgeable in criminal <laughs> psychology, hostage negotiation, and counterinsurgency. His only flaw, he is afraid of heights. Oh, so that's why he doesn't fly then? Uh, apparently that's why he doesn't fly. But yes, he is trying to rid Brisbane, Australia of crime. So what does he do? Does he actually fight bad guys? Drag them into the station? He how? Like what? Well, he does. He doesn't engage generally, uh, but he does take video and report things by calling nine one one. Oh, so you know. Well, rock on, Captain Australia man. Absolutely. I like it. And with that, I will kick the mic back to you for some breaking crime news. Okay. Oh, you guys. something. I first read about this a few days ago, and I was hesitant. I went, oh, we've heard a lot of this lately of going, you know, the media going, this might be a serial killer, and then really nothing coming from it, you know, mm-hmm. about Cassidy Rainwater uh, and a few mm-hmm. But and that guy from Idaho who was claiming that his dad was a like a killer for hire, and then he really disappeared. And ooh, we got harassed real hard because of our episode. We had to delete it and scrub it, and yeah, basically, uh, you know, pour bleach on ourselves to be free of it. Uh, we still don't know what the case of what is going on with that, but whatever. We don't. F that guy. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> but it's happening again. Except that this one is catching a lot of national traction so we decided that yeah we're going to go ahead and report on it yeah this is one of those t- stories so there is a woman named lucy uh in for the sake of the articles that are being written she's going by her maiden name which is studi or study mm-hmm. and so lucy has said that for 45 years now, she has been telling people that her father is a serial killer mm-hmm. and that on their land in Thurston, Ohio, that he, for as long as uh, her, or most of her life, was killing five to six women or more yearly and two men that she knows of on their property. 
She says that they were usually uh, sex workers or like transient women, most of them from the Omaha area, or he was picking them up somewhere around the Omaha area and Mm -hmm. taking them back home with him and murdering them and then making his kids help to dispose of their bodies. I hope this isn't true. I really hope this is not true. No. They had a five-acre piece of land and an old abandoned well. She says that a lot of the bodies got thrown in the well. The well was like 100 feet deep. That they would throw in the wintertime. He would push bodies or pull bodies in a toboggan. In the summertime, he would push them in a wheelbarrow. Mm -hmm. But he would force the kids to help dig holes or throw bodies in the well. And then he would pour lye all over that body and then they'd cover it with more dirt. She said every time he said to the kids, we're going to the well, she knew what that meant. She also always wondered if she would live through it because it was so easy for him to kill other people. She always wondered if, uh, you know, one of she or her other three siblings would be next. Mm -hmm. Um, She says that she told teachers at school who told her that these were family matters. Uh, There is an instance of... What? Yeah, My dad is murdering people? Is a family matter? Well, he was telling people that she was having hallucinations and telling people that. Okay. Is what I got from one article in that uh, he had said to someone else, did you ever find any bones up on that place? Because my daughter has hallucinations and she says I killed and left a body up there. So I, I think more than anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of gaslighting on his part, of course. I mean, you know, if, if this is true, can you imagine the psychological damage? No. You know, uh, she says that all of the victims that she can think of were young women between 20 and 30, except for one hitchhiker that was 15. <sighs> um, she said that they all were white women with dark hair. That was kind of his MO. Uh, and, and mostly with close cropped dark hair was also kind of a part of his type, I guess. I did notice in the picture that she is also a white woman with cro- close cropped dark hair. Dark hair. Yeah. That's a little yep. creepy. She has told law enforcement this for years and just hasn't really been able to get anyone to listen to her or get any traction. So she talked to the sheriff of Fremont County. That's the county that uh, that this town is in. So Thurman, Iowa. I said Ohio. I'm sorry, you guys. It's Iowa. That's so irritating. People do that with Idaho, too. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh so this town has a population of less than 200 people. Oh my the entire county is less than 9,000. Wow. Around 8,500, it looks like. We are talking about a tiny, tiny area. But she talked to the sheriff and told him, I can show you exactly where the bodies are. I know where they're buried. So he was like, well, okay, I Obviously, this shouldn't just go completely uninvestigated. And she gave him a lot of information that he felt like seemed really credible. So he went to this property. Now, bear in mind, her dad died in 2013. Mm-hmm. He's been gone for nine years. The property has long since been acquired by other people. Mm-hmm. He got permission from these people to come check it out. The well has been filled in. 
Mm. And has been for some time. But she goes out with the sheriff and with a handler that has two cadaver dogs and starts pointing out areas and the cadaver dogs just start hitting. Yikes. Right and left. And the sheriff is telling uh, the news that uh, he believes her. This is Newsweek is the probably the first big org to run a story on this. Mm-hmm. He feels like this is true. In fact, he said, I believe her 100% that there's bodies in there. Here's the deal. The well will take $25,000 to do some preliminary testings. It will be around $300,000 if they have to dig the whole thing up. Holy hell. This county's entire operating budget per year is a little over a million dollars. I mean, it's just an enormous, enormous financial undertaking. Hey, Dancing Brothers, we've got a job for you. No kidding. (laughs) Because uh, he's dad, or the sheriff, dad, not the dad. The sheriff is not backing down. He's like, hey, if we can get some credible, uh, you know, evidence that there are definitely bodies down there. But he said, I'll break the county to do this mm-hmm. because she says she believes there are 50 to 70 bodies buried on this property. Mm-hmm. And like he said, if that's true, we could be providing closure to all those families, all of those families and finding out who these women were and what happened to them. Yeah. Now, one of the things that's kind of he's like, there's just not that many missing people from Omaha, but These could be women that were transient. It could be that he wasn't just in Omaha. The kids Mm -hmm. weren't with him typically when he was gathering his prey. So she she couldn't know for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. And it also could be, you know, girls that were being trafficked that weren't from that area at all. You know, that maybe were never even reported missing. Mostly that. Yep. Hmm. Mostly that. Yep. So that's kind of where things stand for now. She said that... uh, he, at one point, uh, they were wheeling some woman to the well, and he said, this bitch deserved it. Ugh. Yeah. Does she have siblings? Yes. And what do they say? So two siblings, uh, as of now, aren't talking. Uh, the other sibling killed himself when he was 39. Oh. But that's not Ooh. all. That doesn't bode well for this situation. Well, Donald's uh, study, your study, Donald was married twice. First wife, apparently, hung herself with an electrical cord. Oh. And the second wife shot herself in the head. Oh. Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. Boy. This is starting to sound a little more credible with every fact mm-hmm. here. Yikes. It's bad. It's so bad. Yeah. Mm. So two different dogs, two different dogs identified the same spots. Wow. The dogs are both Australian cattle dogs or, or healers. Mm-hmm. Their names are Jojo and Jetty. And they both scented remains at four locations. And in the last location, particularly, they had multiple hits. Wow. So basically telling them that there is definitely decomp in the area. 
in multiple spots. I mean, that doesn't typically just happen. There's not just a scent of dead bodies just all over the land. That's not really true. They're hitting on something. Mm -hmm. So that's what's going on here. I mean, you know, the sheriff, he's working right now with the FBI and with other agencies to make a plan to start trying to excavate some of these areas. They're calling it a field of nightmares to see if they can start coming up with some remains. And if so, uh, his intention is to dig, dig, dig and, you know, see -hmm. what they can come up with and find as many bodies as they can. Interestingly, the lie that was dumped down the well with the dirt on top, his intention would have been to help break the bodies down faster and hold down the smell. Um, But because of the way they were placed, if, if there's really bodies there, Mm -hmm. uh, scientists are saying it could actually have preserved the bodies. Oh, wow. It's possible that down in the bottom of that well, there's a bunch of bodies that could be identifiable. Pile of mummified bodies. Wow. It's possible. God, that is a Halloween nightmare. Can you imagine the people that have this property now? No, I, I, they're probably like, yeah, we're going to just get out of here. <laughs> so she said her dad uh, was a heavy drinker. He was very quick to anger, had a really short temper. Uh, she was terrified of him and the other kids were too. She said that he was sometimes stab or shoot people, but she said he preferred to smash their skulls in by kicking them. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. She actually knows Horrifying. How killed them? She knows this. My God. Mm-hmm. Oh, he would murder them in the trailer they lived in on the property. Mm. Like, he didn't hide this from his kids at all. And what? You know, I, right. he's well known to law enforcement. He's been in trouble for DUI. He's been in trouble for violence. Uh, the police said that uh, everyone knew you didn't respond to anything at his house alone because he was very scary and had a really scary temper. And he was pretty uh, well known in the area for being a pretty, uh, you know, volatile, violent guy. Right. But why would no one have believed her knowing that he was that kind of person? Why did no one in her community have a red flag about this when she talked about it as a kid? It's a bunch of backwoods bullshit from what I can see Mm -hmm. that uh, because she'd even has told police in the past and they told her that, uh, that uh, that memories of children aren't that credible. These are some pretty specific details. Yeah. And extreme trauma um, really sears those memories in. Mm -hmm. The sheriff said that when they got to the land, that she took him directly to where the well had been that is Mm -hmm. not there now, but she knew exactly where it was. Mm -hmm. And then some other spots too, where she said that she has vivid memories of bodies being buried. And that is where the dogs hit. Wow. It's hard to think that she's just cooking this up or hallucinating or this is just mental illness, you know, run, run amok when she could be that specific and that correct with the dogs. Right. That is interesting. Wow. Mm-hmm. Here's well, what she said. On this for sure. 
Mm -hmm. I'm going to share one paragraph from the Newsweek article, and we'll link that one and a couple others in the uh, show description. But she says, my father was a lifelong criminal and murderer. She said that he used multiple aliases and changed his last name. And initially it was Study, S-U-D-Y, and then he added the E-Y later. Oh. She said he would run drugs and guns with others. He would hide them in hollowed out trees on their property. Uh, or, or for logging, and then truck them across state lines. She said he visited Arkansas a lot, and that he would pass through inspection sites with ease because he would have his children in the seat of the truck with him. Oh, wow. So people would never question. Oh. Mm -hmm. Well, he was up to all this criminal activity. Yeah. Yikes. She is trying desperately to move on with her life, but feels mm -hmm. like until the truth is really told, and some families start getting some closure because of his crimes, but she can't really relax. She can't really rest because she knows all of this stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and needs to be able to unload it and needs the truth to be told. Sure. So that's what we know. It's not a lot. No. It's not a lot, but we will watch it and see what happens. Uh Gosh, it's just terrifying to me to think that things like this do happen, you know, mm -hmm. in especially in really remote areas and very small areas. I mean, the population of people here is so small. Anyway, sometimes and I'm not saying this is true or not, because I don't know, mm -hmm. but sometimes in small towns, this is exactly the kind of thing that would happen because no one would believe that a local person would do this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I can see that, like, in a small place, particularly yeah. that people would, you know, we have a tendency to think that people from our town or our community would never do such a terrible thing. Yeah. But it turns out that people in our communities do terrible things every day. Yeah. Yeah. Truth. Wow. Yeah. So that's what we know. We'll definitely keep an eye on this and keep you guys abreast of what we find out. But uh, I felt like this was a really interesting story to share and to keep an eye on for that very reason, Christy, besides the fact that there could be, I, you know, 50 to 70 bodies. I mean, holy shit. Even if there was one, I would say that, but 50 to 70. Right. Uh, wow. That could solve a lot of cold cases. And sure bring could. a lot of families some closure. But also, like you said, there could be a whole lot more of this out there than we know. Yeah. And there if, probably if, is. If this is true, this may lend credibility to other people who have told similar stories, but had difficulty getting anyone to take them seriously. Mm -hmm. Or difficulty proving what they're, mm -hmm. yep. Yep. Interesting. All righty. Well, there you have it. So I'm going to turn the mic back over to you. I know you have a little more uh, weird crime to share. I sure do. Well, in slightly better news, I have a, a couple more uh, hometown superheroes to share with you. Let's talk about the Crimson Fist. The Crimson Fist. <laughs> <laughs> his nemesis on the streets of atlanta georgia his nemesis is homelessness oh 
he does sometimes get into crime intervention as well. So he is an IT programmer and he does wear his red and white costume with the red mask to protect his identity when he goes out and distributes items to the homeless in the Atlanta area. Wow. He helps to give away clothing, uh, shoes, cold weather clothes, food, bottled water, and other things um, and services that are needed in the homeless community. Um, The Crimson Fist Outreach and Supplies are self-funded. Oh, wow. All of this with his own money and also protects his identity by dressing as a superhero as he does it, which I think is pretty darn cool. That is cool. Yeah. That is very cool. Good for him. Yeah. You go, Crimson Fist. I think it's kind of cool. You know, you got to be careful because you don't want to cross the line into vigilantism. But to do something good for your community and do it anonymously, I think is really powerful. Yeah. Now we have, last but certainly not least, Phoenix Jones. Phoenix Jones is um, a part of the Rain City superhero movement in Seattle. He is known to fight crime and call 911 a whole lot in the streets of Seattle. Okay. They are a a group of crime fighters. Their names uh, include such characters as Green Reaper, No Name, and Catastrophe. Wait, Green Reaper or Green Reefer? Reaper. Reaper, okay. (laughs) Well, Seattle, it could be. Different guy. Okay, never mind. Gotcha. I thought Um, I knew him. No. Now, Sometimes problematically, they do carry bat- batons, pepper spray, and tasers, as well as phones. Oh. Um, he does look pretty much like a, you know, like a like a Halloween costume superhero. He has the molded sort of Batman body um, mm-hmm. and, you know, all of that. But uh, he does hide his identity behind a mask. Although, a few years ago, and I'm not going to share his name, but... His identity was uh, um, revealed when he got arrested for getting a little too close to the crime fighting world and Uh into a fight with an actual criminal. But he and his friends are out trying to save Seattle. So, you know, I got to give him some props. Yeah, I think so. I, I agree that there's a fine line between vigilantism and also an individual person's uh, interpretation or opinion on what is a crime or what isn't. Yes. yeah. Because in my town, people would run around slapping coffee, coffee out of your hand and feel very justified for doing it. You know, I mean, people think that crimes are different, you know, or, or have a different uh, idea of what is okay and what isn't. Mm-hmm. That's where I think vigilantism gets very scary in that the idea that uh, just because somebody else thinks that you shouldn't be doing it, they could, uh, you know, maybe impose their will on you. Mm-hmm. That's where I think the line gets uh, very concerning. But mm-hmm. in these cases of these guys that are mostly just trying to keep an eye on their streets and be an extra set of eyes about uh, that, uh, you know, perhaps people would be more willing to commit a crime with them around or not really uh, recognize who they, you know, that they are seeing them versus a police officer. You know, I mean, it is the ultimate in see something, say something. Truly. And truly, if you were about to commit a crime and did, in fact, see someone dressed as a superhero across the street, you might think twice. Maybe. Well, if you'd had a run in with them in the past or you just think somebody was <laughs> headed to a costume party and, you know. Right. Unless, I don't know. You, you know, 
try to cause a fracas in that uh, ramen place in Oakland. Right. And then you got the whole power puffs or not power puff. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been great. But uh, yeah, you have the whole Power Rangers squad on your right. ass. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I'm here for it. I think it's kind of awesome. I, I do mm-hmm. really appreciate people that are paying attention and, and, and care about their communities. Absolutely. Very cool. All righty. Well, that's it. That's what we've got for Wednesday. Again, we'll be back at 7 p.m. tonight for case updates, and there are a bunch of them. Oh, my goodness. Lots of stuff happening. Uh, again, we'll uh, have another reel of the greatest hits <laughs> of uh, Daryl Brooks or Daryl mm-hmm. or the uh, artist formerly known as Daryl Brooks or whatever you would like to call him. Yeah. I have some things, but yes. I don't Does that count? <laughs> At one point, he said, Your Honor, you're treating me like I'm stupid, and I'm not stupid. And she said, well, I, I disagree with that. Now, I think she was disagreeing <laughs> with the uh, the actual point he was making, but that's yeah. exactly what was said. And I, I scream laughed. And then she didn't <laughs> correct it, which I've... No. I got to give her props for that. Yeah. No, she probably, you know, a little bit under her breath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll share some more on that. And we'll be back right after that at 8 p.m. tonight for the Cold Read Party. So if you mm-hmm. are a subscriber of our uh, of the Cold Read Party on YouTube, and you can just do that by going over to our main YouTube page. There's a spot there to join our membership. It's five mm-hmm. bucks a month. You can come to the Cold Read Party mm-hmm. and do some uh, crime work with us. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's very interesting. Nice. Yeah. All righty. Well, have a great day. Take good care of yourselves. Uh, Watch out for superheroes or don't. You decide. (laughs) (laughs) And have a great day. This has been yet another production of the True Crime Squad. Bye, everybody.